Welcome, AAP members, to the latest weekly podcast from myself, Chris Versace, and my partner in crime, Bob Lang. Bob, we were lucky last week in a sense that we were off from the podcast, but we did have a simply wonderful call for members. Uh, that was the October members-only call. Sarah Silverstein was uh, once again leading us through the the ropes, the hoops, the uh, getting us to jump the hurdles, whatever analogy you want to use. Uh, I thought it was a great call. You know, we, we talked about a lot once again, touched on a number of different positions. Um, you know, in my best, uh, well, I can't use his name, the former Fox commentator, Bob, what say you? Well, Chris, you know, last week, um, you know, with that monthly call, we, we had Sarah, you know, in there for the second month in a row. And it, I think, you know, a rousing success, right? And I think that we had a lot of uh, good feedback from that, a lot of good energy she brings to the call and a lot of different different questions. And, you know, Chris, of course, we uh, we did, you know, sort of quietly celebrate our one year anniversary of uh, mm-hmm. managing mm-hmm. Action Lawyers Plus. It's been a good um, it's been a good run for us so far. We've learned a lot. Well, uh, well I, let me let me let me walk you back on that. It's been a challenging run. And I, I, I think we've done we've done well. You know, we, we finished the year uh, ahead of our benchmark, which is, you know, a good thing, but we're still down. So, you know, there, there's a lot more work to be done. You know this. I do, yeah, too. Of course. And, you know, I mean, you know, in hindsight, <clears throat> if we'd have just blown up the whole portfolio and 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 cut every single name in it, you know, obviously that would have, of course, put us ahead because we'd be sitting in cash. But still, it doesn't um, help us teach and show people how to invest in, in a tough environment like we're in right, right. now. And, right. uh, and, I, and I think, you know, really, if we were to trace the year back, you know, the first couple months, we, we, we did some surgical pruning, we added some new positions, and then really, you know, as February closed, the world really started to change and change rather quickly, whether it was the Russia-Ukraine war, uh, renewed lockdowns in China, you know, uh, inflation starting to really rear its head, the Fed swinging into action with a lot of that, um, some some of it intensifying during the summer, other aspects of it kind of backing off. But, you know, here we are yet again, Bob. It's, you know, it's October 10th. And what what what, what did we see? September uh, employment report, right? The unemployment rate ticked lower, keeping the Fed in play. The PMI reports from early September had, um, you know, continued signs of inflationary pressures. China, right, back seeing a rising count of COVID cases and another potential risk of lockdowns. Uh, we've got companies cutting their earnings expectations. You know, uh, the last couple of weeks we had NVIDIA, AMD. Last week was Levi, cut, Levi Strauss cutting its outlook. PPG early this morning cutting its outlook with a lot of them saying uh, a combination of um, weakening demand, currency headwinds with the dollar being strong, and, um, oh yeah, higher prices that that persist. So a lot of those issues are kind of, and and of course the war continues, so a lot of those issues are persisting into the end of the year. Um, But as you and I talk about it, Bob, uh, there's no slowdown in the Fed, right? You don't see anything, neither do I. No, and I and I think uh, Chris, one of the one of the things that people are trying to do in the markets here, are trying to um, time when this is all going to be over, a and b, trying to estimate the fact that some of this stuff is already is it priced in already, and I, I think it that that's that's a that's a really difficult thing to do to try and guess whether something is priced in or not, 
because you, you haven't seen a bottom yet. And, you know, it's akin to somebody in the markets, Chris, trying to catch a falling knife when they mm -hmm, try to mm -hmm. catch bottoms, you know. And my, fr my, my friend Tom McClellan, McClellan Oscillator, tells us, you know, there's only one bottom that matters. It's the last one. And <laughs> right. you, you keep going down, you can have five, six, seven, eight bottoms in a row. It's the last one that really matters. And you really don't know if that's going to be there. Uh, Le uh, you know, my wife, Leanne, um, uh, follows markets pretty closely, Chris. And, and she uh, followed one of the guys in the room came out with some statistics and saying that, you know, how, how people did if they got in front of the bottom of the market versus afterwards, six months before versus six months after. And surprisingly uh, to many, not surprising to me, is that you actually performed better if you waited six months after that bottom was in versus trying to get in there six months before. Isn't it fascinating? I, I wouldn't, you know what, I'm not surprised on that because there's probably a lot of false starts, you know what I mean? And and people are thinking, okay, is it there? Is it in yet? Maybe I can start. But you know, until you're you're really having that clear path ahead, I I think it becomes very challenging. And I and you know, you've said this before that a lot of people they simply just get frustrated in a bear market uh, because it just grinds them down, right? That it just can persists and persists. People get frustrated. They get sloppy. Um, you know, and of course, we're gonna continue to be uh, since we've got you know two sets of eyes. We're going to continue to stay on top of this kind of stuff. Um, Chris, one of the things I was going to say was that, um, yeah. you know, and, and you know, looking back um, these last several months that we've been working together on here, and one of the things that I'm, I'm really particularly proud of is that we have not been caught flat-footed on anything. We, we're really, we, we both have really done our best to try and stay ahead or at least stay up to, up to what's going on with the economy, with the Fed, and, all this, and make adjustments where where we needed to make the adjustments and and you know sometimes did we cut some things late absolutely do we have some things to work on sure like everybody when no, nobody's perfect um but i think by and large um we, we have these discussions um on on a, on a regular basis almost every day yeah and saying to ourselves hey listen you know what about the economy and really being honest with ourselves and honest with with what we know and what we've seen and experienced over the years and saying, you know, whether this is good or bad, it's not putting lipstick on a pig and trying to say, listen, you know what, let's try and find the silver lining. Let's try and find the one or two trades that are that are that are going to make it for us, make make our make our, our, our portfolio performance uh, shine out. You know, I think what, what, what sometimes it, you just have to step back and say, listen, you know what, this is not a good environment for us right now. And we'll 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 wait. We'll, we'll wait until that environment improves. Um, you know, I'm I'm hesitant to say this, Bob, but what you're saying is there isn't always a bull market out there. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I've heard somebody say um, the opposite. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I I apologize. I that that's kind of a cheap <laughs> shot. I I couldn't resist just just based on what you were saying. But I think I think the key to that, Bob, is you know, look, and, and you you kind of said this. Whether it's you on the technicals, myself on on the fundamentals. Where it's an evolving landscape, so we're continually, you know, monitoring the data, you know, updating our outlooks on a on a you know daily, weekly, monthly basis, um, and I and I think it's key. You know, right? we also bring you know quite a bit of history, uh, but we also recognize you know in areas that you know, hey, what's different this time around? And I think one of the things we've been pointing to, and it's done well for us is the stimulative efforts out of Washington, right? Because we know that's going to continue to generate demand for whether it's, you know, charge point uh, indirectly for Ford with those EV, EV subsidies, excuse me, 
or um, United Rentals, Vulcan Materials as infrastructure spending picks up. So it, it's, it's just being mindful of the landscape, paying attention to the data and having a little bit of a forward view, I think. No, I agree with that. And, you know, one of the one of the more recent names that we added to the portfolio, Chris, is that Elevance, you know, and and of course, there's <clears throat> there's a, a handful of other competitors in the uh, HMO space. You know, you've got Humana and Cigna, United Health, the, big, the biggest one, um, uh, Aetna and um, you know, HealthNet. So some of these names, you know, they they're good regional players and they and they're, but the thing the reason why we took this one is you know, it's huge in California and they uh, on the West Coast and they, they have an enormous install base and they, they're able, you know, health insurance is something that people are going to need, especially if they lose their jobs and uh, they're going to have to come up there and, and they don't want to, you know, have a disaster happen uh, in front of them in case there's some tragic uh, accident or event or whatever. They're going to need their health insurance. And this is something that's not going to uh, go away, um, even if the economy goes into a steeper recession than we're in right now. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And, and I, I think, Bob, one of the things that you and I have chatted about is um, the difference in the portfolio as it stands today compared to when we kind of took the reins over. Uh, I think you alluded to this on the members only call for October, but you know, early early on, the portfolio, as as we took over again, inherited a lot of the almost you know the entire portfolio, uh, very heavy and skewed. Oh, you know, I would say too much so towards tech, and we had to work our way around. But rather than reflect on the past, let's talk about the current because I, I think right now it's probably more diversified than it's ever been. I agree, and um, you know we're, we're we're in lots of different areas that the diversification is great, but it's it's diversifying away from the beta of the market. That's more important, Chris. And I think, you know, we've got names in there that will move against the market. ChargePoint's a great case because I remember uh, there was a uh, about a week or so in September, early part of September, where the markets were getting drilled. ChargePoint's up every day. It was up four days in a row. I think it, I want to say it went, Chris, it went from about 14 and a half to about 19. In about four or five days, it got an upgrade, and then boom, it was off to the races, and the markets were slammed those four days in a row. So, I mean, I I like that sort of um, uh, divisive type of well, I want to call it divisive, but it's a, a portfolio that moves on its own and really moving on fundamentals and technicals as well too. Not necessarily remember something: uh, you you either have a, a market of stocks or a stock market. You know, market of stocks is a nice um, stock picker's market, whereas the stock market is one that tends to move with the flows of, of the market. So right. the S&P 500 is getting drilled, Chris. Everything else is getting drilled. It doesn't matter. I mean, you could be a great technician. You could be great um, at fundamental analysis. But at the end of the day, if the market's not going up and money flows are negative, you're going to get hammered too. I agree. I agree. And that's, you know, as I was listening to what you were saying, you know, this is just a great example, right? So I talked about, you know, ChargePoint, United Rentals, Vulcan, uh, and I could have thrown in Axon because of what's happening there, all from a fundamental perspective. But the way you approached it was not only it was different, but also very complementary. And I think that's a great reason why we're having the success that we're having and why we work so well together, which which I think is great. Yeah, Axon is up today nicely. It's uh, up about a buck, almost a buck or something like that. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, here's a day where the markets are getting hammered, and, and we've got, you know, we've got. Some, I mean, look, last month, last Friday, I mean, what, the markets were down three percent. I want to say Lockheed Martin was up yep. about four and a half bucks, right? I mean, so 
you know, going against the, you know, I like going against the grain a little bit. It's not necessarily, you know, okay, if everybody's piling into one name, I'm, I'm, I'm really a contrarian by nature, Chris. I like, I don't like, I, I don't like to, to, to be in a, a room full of people. I like to be on my own. I don't, I don't like to, a crowded room really makes me feel uncomfortable. So, you know, when there's people are in, in the same trades as I am and they're move and I'm moving with them, it makes me feel uncomfortable, it makes my skin crawl a little bit. Makes me wonder how you do when you're at Disneyland. <laughs> when I used to be, it used to really make me nervous. I got to tell you, Chris, when I, when my kids were little and we used to take them there, I, I hated taking my kids to Disneyland and shopping malls. It made me nervous as heck. I, 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 I'm always, my eyes were moving around. I couldn't, I, I couldn't get comfortable being in these places because I was always afraid. I, I, first of all, I didn't like being around a lot of people. Second of all, I was always afraid of my kids' safety. So you, just on a personal note, I know this. You moved from Southern California to New England, one of the more densely populated areas in the country. It sounds like you should have gone to Idaho, South Dakota, Wyoming, you know, something like that. <laughs> Yeah, 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 something like that. It's too cool. You know, and then and, and then you could be sharing you and then you could be sharing your rivers run your river runs through its stories. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'd be sharing the uh, I I could be uh, I could be in the river with a moose instead of uh, <laughs> exactly. a whole bunch of people, right? <laughs> all right, all right, enough fun, enough fun. So um, let's let's talk about what we have in the coming week. Um, you know, we've got uh, a double dose of uh, inflation. Uh, September CPI, PPI, um, you know, hat, hat tip to you. I, I mentioned this in the roundup, but um, you've the one, you're the one who was tracking the Cleveland Fed's uh, inflation now cast model. And I, I think last you and I both looked at it, uh, it was calling for a sequ sequential increase in, in the CPI compared to September. Um, my, my take on it is, especially after the downtick in the unemployment rate in the September employment report, God, that's a mouthful to say. Um, <laughs> it is. It's um, barring a large drop in either CPI or PPI, the Fed is just going to continue to go. And I think the last I looked, uh, it was four fifty to four seventy five basis points on the Fed funds rate exiting the February twenty twenty three meeting. Which means we've got you know probably two to three more price, more uh, interest rate hikes before we get there. Yes. And, and so, so let's remember, so there's two more, two more meetings uh, this year. Let me just set this up for, for early 23. So we get two more meetings this year. And according to the Fed projections in the last uh, uh, Fed meeting in September, they're, they're looking to see Fed funds finish the year between 4.4 to 4.5. So do the math. That, that's about 150 points, uh, basis points of rate hikes over the next two meetings. So let's call it 75 in November and 75, maybe 50 in uh, December. So they could that, that would average them. If they did 50, that mm -hmm. would average them about 4.3. So they're, they're, they're pretty close to their goal. And that would be pushing up against restrictive. Right now we're 3%, which is not restrictive at all. This is neutral where we're at right now, and they want to get to restrictive. So so fast forward to next year. So February, we have a, a new set of uh, voting governors. Who, oh, they, that's right. That's they right. They rotate that's every right. year. So I, I believe in February will be the first, and the end of, end of January, early February, I think, is the first meeting of the year. 
And it'll it'll include Loretta Mester, who is uh, Cleveland Fed, who is a, a, a huge hawk. Um, she came out last week, Chris, and said, we won't be rate, uh, cutting rates at all in 23, period. Yeah. And I think she's thinking 24, maybe 25 as soon as. And then and then we also have uh, Neil Kashkari, who's going to be rotating, I believe, in, in from Minnesota, who years ago, a couple of years ago, was one of the dovish on the on the committee. And now he's probably far to the other side, the most hawkish on the committee next to um, Laura Mester. So we got them coming up on the uh, and I and I want to say um, Patrick Harker from Philadelphia is coming in. Charlie Evans from Chicago. So moderate, moderate uh, hawks over there. So you got two extreme hawks coming on and then two other. I'll have to check my uh, notes on that one, but I'm, I'm, but I'm not sure. And then, of course, you've got the others on there. You got Waller, you got Brainerd, you got Powell, and a couple other people who are on the on the committee who who are pretty who are still rather rather hot. What about what what about the one who likes the spotlight shown on him, Mr. Bullard? Oh yeah, he's on. He's a voting member this year, I believe. Right. And, and so he yeah he 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 comes out and uh, says, hey, look at me, I can move markets. <laughs> right, right, right. But but with the that. rotation coming up, do you think he'll yeah. he'll still be on? Uh, well, he won't be a voting member next year. Okay. He'll, okay. He's uh, he, he's part of that annual rotation. I think he'll be up again in 24 or 25. So we'll have new people up there. So Lisa Cook, who's uh, and then uh, who's 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 the new? Uh, I think she's the new boss. No, no, uh, can't remember which one. But she's she's uh, she's going to be coming up soon. And then we have the new one from Boston coming up. She's she's good as well too. And and, and Texas, uh, Dallas. Fed coming up, so yeah, we got a, a lot of new, a lot of new people up here uh, coming and become voters on the uh, on the committee. Okay, all right. Now, late in the week, we've got the September retail sales report. The Mastercard spending per pulse report for September was out double digits overall. X Auto um, with e-commerce up double digits. I think that sets a good pace for the September report. But you know, before we get there, Bob, um, you know, Amazon, I want to know what are you buying. On the Prime Early Access event, I haven't checked it yet, Chris. I got to, I got to do my, I got, I got to do my, my, my views tonight and see what looks interesting there. But, but I, I want, I wanted to just come back again to the Mastercard spending sure. pulse, um, item. So as you follow, that, you track that, and you, you give the results every, uh, every month. Um, I'm, I'm curious to say, are those numbers um, due to an increase in consumer credit? Because I did see it in consumer credit last. So I think I think it's due to two things. Uh, one is I think consumers are feeling a little more flush with the uh, fall off in gas prices, which, by the way, has started to rebound. Thank you, our friends at OPEC Plus. Um, and I think with that, just to stick with that for a second, I, I think we're seeing that a uh, potential floor in oil around ninety dollars is what's being talked about now. I wouldn't be surprised if gas prices go a little a little higher from here. Um, but you are correct. I mean, when we look back at the consumer credit reports, remember they, I believe they lag a month. So yeah. last, late last week we got August, so it did move higher. What really floored me though, Bob, was the restatement for July that went from like plus 20 billion to like plus 39 billion. Yeah, almost doubled, right? Almost. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, I just couldn't believe it. And I think Look, I, I, I understand that when things get tough, you know, people will pivot to credit, right, just to make ends meet. Totally understand it, particularly on credit cards. 
Uh, it does mean, though, that when um, the banks start to report later this week, we've got to pay really close attention to their comments about uh, credit card debt, credit card quality, net charge offs and, and other items. Don't, don't they also report reserves as well to reserve, you know, uh, re loss reserves? Yeah, for, they do. Uh, for they credit do. cards. And, you know, I mean, if, if those numbers are starting to rise, then then you have to think that they're they're putting a little bit of money aside just in case. Right. And 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 clearly they're not seeing they're not going to see evidence of that um, just yet in the jobs report. The jobs report was pretty strong last week. But, uh, you know, as the Fed continues to raise interest rates, they're not going to. Um, uh, they're going to they're, they're going to have some difficulty um, uh, getting getting people to, to 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 borrow money from them, I think, uh, unless they're just really generous and just handing out handing out free money like uh, the Fed does. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I was going to say is I, I, I think that as we get those comments, we also want to see if there's any updated views on consumer and consumer credit quality um, from TransUnion, Fair Isaac. And, and some of these others, you know, my my concern is that, you know, the consumer tailwind, you know, powers, you know, indirectly, directly two thirds of the economy. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to think that it's going to slow, whether it's, you know, we we do dip down into a, a recession, more layoffs. You know, there's there's some data that um, that I, we shared in the AAP morning comments on on Monday, October 10th that talked about the percentage of CEOs that, that are calling for a recession, the percentage of CEOs that are looking to make layoffs. And, and as you know, Bob, those are not small numbers. And and also, I wonder something about, uh, Chris, about the uh, the housing market, which obviously is going to take a hit and has been taking a hit with mortgage rates up to 6 7% right now. Um, do, do, do are, are we feeling, are we believing that people are looking at their houses as a piggy bank? And figuring that if they lose their job and they're going to come in there and 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 start um, getting loans against their their homes and it's creating a whole big other issue. Now I've heard some things, some stories about some people wanting to put their houses up for sale, but they won't do it because they have such a low interest rate. And we're I'm I'm in kind of in that category. I'm sure you are too. I mean our our, our rate is under three percent. And you know we I would like to pay off our house just to not have a mortgage, but I'm thinking otherwise because when am I ever going to get rates at under three percent again, probably maybe not in my lifetime again. Because, um, yeah. well, let's put it this way: if you, if we do, that's a big if. I admit, uh, it's not going to be in 2023. It may be 2024, depending on how, you know, big this recession is. So we'll see. I, th I think interest rates bottomed out, Chris, in January or February of this year for on the on the on on mortgage rates, and and I think they were there for a couple, two, three, four months, and you know, anybody refied. Or, or got in there at, at those low rates. I, those are obviously those are gone now. It's uh, yeah, of course those are, are. Those are distant but, memory. But let's let's think about this sticking with housing, right? So uh, I, I'm a conservative guy, 30 year fixed, you know, just the way I am. Uh, but there are folks out there with the five year arm, right? Yeah. What happens when that comes due? Right. I mean, they're, 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 those adjustable mortgage adjustable rate mortgages are going to go up. You know, immediately. So you know, five year. I'm like, let's got a teaser. I mean, I had one of those. You know, 15 years ago, I had a teaser rate, and all of a sudden, I got fortunate because rates went to zero. I went the other way. <laughs> I had a six. Well, that's that's you being the contrarian, Bob. Yeah, I, I had a six percent fixed, and then all of a sudden, it went down all of a sudden two seventy five, from uh, right after the financial crisis. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I what what worries me, Chris, is that you know these people are going to you know uh, if they're if they're not getting uh, loans from say the banks with credit cards and so forth, and they're not able to service those things. 
they're going to come in and, and start uh, rating their equity in their homes. And, 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 and that's not a fast um, down move in, in, the, in the credit markets or the, uh, the mortgage market. It's going to take, a, it takes a while to, for that effect to happen. But it's it's certainly not a, a positive, and it and it creates a, a huge um, negative for the economy down the road, don't you think? I totally agree. I mean, look, the it, when um, when we were getting ready for the October members only call, I was sitting there, and I, I think Sarah even asked me this question, like, what would it take for you to get bullish coming through September quarter earnings? And I I, I sat there, and I was just like, you know. Uh, Tail, uh, headwind, 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 and there, there are just so many that it, it's really hard. And, and you know, the last thing we want to do is, and you, you know, I like to use this term, Bob. Uh, we don't want to sprinkle any hopium in there, right? Because we want to react to what the data is telling us. Like, like we were talking earlier, we're going to continue to update our outlooks and move the portfolio according according to what we're seeing particularly that on the near-term horizon. And as we look in the near-term horizon, we know interest rates are going higher, right? We know that the data is pointing to slowing demand. Um, you know, there are still some instances of supply chain issues. Companies are still talking about rising input prices and others will, you know, raise their output prices. So a lot of headwinds, hard to get very bullish. Um, and while I'm sitting here being somewhat conservative on the outlook, I know that you were sharing early this morning when you and I were talking, have to watch that 3,600 level on the S&P 500. It, it, it broke it here, Chris, <laughs> while we were doing, having our call here. We, it broke it uh, uh, here. So, you know, listen, it, it last well, week. Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. So th th this is something that you tell me all the time, right? Because you, you're, you're the technical guru here. Um, it has to close below that level, correct? Yeah, close below it and then follow through the f next day. So we're okay. we have, say tomorrow we get another down session and the oscillators are down. I <clears throat> I do a lot of work with these uh, McClellan oscillators and you know I share a lot of them with the members and and, and you as well too. Um, there's one uh, those are breath oscillators and I look at something called a price oscillator um, as well too. And then once we broke 3,700 on Friday, that price oscillator moved from up to down. Now, Chris, interestingly enough, I looked at um, the when was the last time this happened, and it, and it was actually just a little less than a month ago. So September twelfth to thirteenth, Chris, when when the CPI dropped. You remember we were up, and then we we dropped hard, we gapped down, and we had that huge mm -hmm. drop day on that day. Do you know the S and P five hundred fell another three hundred and seventy five points after that hundred and plus point drop? So three hundred seventy five points. So we had the same situation, Chris. Thursday to Friday. So what, I, what I'm saying is that, you know, yeah, if you miss Friday's drop, okay, well, there's, there's more downside possibly to come if you follow patterns like I do and you believe in that. So, I mean, 3,300, Chris, that's, that's where I'm That's looking. the level? 3,280 to 3,300. That's, yeah, from here. So uh, no need to peel off SH or PSQ from a technical perspective. Obviously, headwinds I rattled off. No need to peel them off anytime soon either. Prudent path all the way, Bob. I feel pretty. Uh, I feel pretty happy keeping that and keeping a hold under our cash. And one more thing, Chris. I know we yeah. talked about. Uh, uh, you know, we, we get a lot of emails and from people, uh, subscribers, asking about. You know, why so much cash? Why do you? Why are you holding so much cash? And I, I get it. And I just really want to say that. You know, listen. You know what? We're. You know, you and I at at at, at the core are stock pickers. We like to we like to look out and pick stocks. 
You're an excellent stock picker. You've picked out a lot of the names, a lot of the newer names that we put in there this year. Um, and there is a time when stock picking doesn't work. And this is one of those times, you know, I mean, if you're, you know, if I, if, if I give Chris, if I gave you a hundred stocks to look at, I said, pick Chris, pick out the four or five that are going to work. That's it's, it's almost impossible in this market. Then. Well, so Bob, Bob, try, Bob work. yeah, try, try, there's this statistic that you like to pull out. And I think it's apropos here. Uh, how many stocks are above their 200 day moving average? Well, um, as of Friday, it was 14 uh, percent of the S&P 500. So we're talking about 70 stocks. 70 stocks were above. That's actually, uh, that's actually a little higher than it's been, because I remember in September you were saying, I, I don't want to say like low single digits, but there was a very low number of companies above the 200 day moving average. It was 15 yeah. out of 500. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically 485 stocks were in a, were in a bear market. I, I look at the 50 day moving average as, as identifying if a company is in a bear market. That's not the indices, it's the companies in a bear market or not. So yeah, there were 485 stocks that were below the 50 day moving average. And, and, and with the move, that was Friday. And given what you said about us passing through the 3,600 level, odds are those uh, that 14, 15% number from Friday is going to come down. It'll be lower tonight after the close, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So, All right. So um, just as so we talked about the week ahead from an economic perspective, earnings perspective, we've from the portfolio, we've got PepsiCo that's coming. Uh, yeah. We also go on and listen to Taiwan Semiconductor to see what it, it has to say about the outlook, uh, I would just caution members, look, there's been some talk that they might cut their guidance. We'll, of course, uh, dig into the data when they report, and it will have implications both for their two largest end markets, uh, mobile and data center, but also remember too, Apple is one of their larger customers. So a number of reasons why we'll be paying attention to that report. And I think that as we go through that, we're going to continue to look at a number of different names in the portfolio, particularly the more defensive ones. We're also doing a little homework on some valuations. Uh, case in point, last week uh, I was sharing with Bob that, geez, back in 2008, 2009, uh, Verizon actually bottomed out at a dividend yield around 75, 7.6%. We're not too far from that, and that, that gives us a nice line in the sand so we can kind of reassess uh, in a worst-case scenario, upside, downside for Verizon. And I know, Bob, uh, coming out of the October members-only call, when I lamented about missing uh, Clear Secure, you you yep. are going to hold my feet to the fire for that. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, I've, I've got my eye on, on, on symbol Y-O-U. It's down a little bit today. Um, it's a volatile name. You know, my couple of names we have that move quite significantly on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, that doesn't bother me. You know, I, like I said, I, I, you know, the fundamentals of some of these companies like the like like nobody does. And you know, I think that we we have uh, you know you know we we have names in there that uh, again they're they're volatile for certain reasons. Usually, there's a small float in the in in with the stock that's outstanding. But for the most part, you know, I mean, I, you know, a name like, like Clear is, again, diversifying away. There's nothing like it out there. There's nothing nope. really like it out there. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I, like, I like having something with that kind of exposure. Well, I will say that as I continue to, you know, read up on, you know, the variety of things, whether it's, you know, article studies, whatever, as we laid out with members, um, privacy and identity continue, continue to be a growth market. I think that's going to, um, 
you know, just continue to be the case. I hate to say it. So um, anyway, I think that's about it. Um, members, uh, we also uh, pointed out that we would be looking to revisit the AAP rating system. Uh, that wasn't a fix it and forget it type of thing. Bob and I are going to have a lot of conversations on that as to what we think not only uh, the ratings should be, but how to implement them, um, whether it turns out to be, and I'm just riffing here, uh, buy, accumulate, hold, strong buy, buy, accumulate, hold, sell. Uh, you know, there, there's a number of ways we can go about it, but we're going to be kicking it around. And, uh, you know, we might be testing some of those ideas with members. We'll see. Uh, but uh, you can certainly expect more on that in the coming weeks and months. Bob, anything? Anything? Did I forget anything, Bob? No, somebody somebody emailed me and said, uh, have the ratings be uh, back up the truck or dump the truck. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty pointed, um, right? <laughs> uh, you know, very direct. I like it. That would certainly be a standout. I can't see somebody going, somebody though on TV going, blah, blah, blah. Someone says, dump the truck on XYZ. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, Till, uh, till the next podcast, which will be out hopefully a week from today, members, uh, we will see you in the alerts and the daily rundown. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone.